All right, Josh, before we hit record, you were telling me about a game that you started just recently, but it was released like three years ago. Yeah, released in 2018, uh, God of War for PlayStation 4. It's not a reboot per se, but it's uh, kind of a reimagining of how to tell those stories. There's a lot of video games that have hero stories, and this is kind of a more of a meta story about the story because Josh said, hey, it used to be a really good franchise and kind of hit a lull, and then it kind of came back again. Yeah. And that's kind of the hero arc, and that particular tale is told again and again in stories around the world. So Yeah, any I, religion, any any culture has these stories. So let's launch out onto the loop and discuss the hero arc today on Curiosity Continuum. Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry innovating, non traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine and mix essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and you want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. So, hero arcs yep. is the topic for today. Josh, there's a story, when you learn about script writing, especially like when you talk about feature films and talk about mm-hmm. Act 1, Act 2A, Act 2B, and then Act 3. Yeah. If, if it's a story arc that follows a hero, because there's different kinds of stories, right? But if you're following a hero's story, there has to be not only this person, but they're all, or a character, there also has to be something they're trying to overcome. Usually, yeah. I mean, without that, it's not really a hero thing. It's just, you know, whatever. It's just some, there's always some obstacle. And there might be several obstacles, but there's always this overarching kind of obstacle, too. And there is always conflict woven into it. Should be, yes. There should be, if it's written well. Right. Yet a lot of times movies will get it wrong when there's too much uh, flat dialogue. It's like, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine. Yeah. Now, too, too much of the the nuance and not enough of the overarching thing, I think. What you'll, what you'll find different when you have conversations in real life, people aren't dropping things. They're not like struggling with the door as much. They're... There are things that happen in movies that is, it puts conflict into the scene, right? Yes. And like in normal everyday life, you actually don't want that kind of drama in your life all the time. But it's interesting to watch and it's interesting to engage in because it kind of highlights those things that we're dealing with maybe more sporadically or over a long period of time that's kind of has a focal point in the story. Yeah. And I think movies do it obviously do it different than games or books for example because with a movie you're watching it right and a game you're engaging with it usually you're playing the hero i have been in games where you're not playing the hero you're playing like maybe like a side character that kind of like following a hero's like every now and then you'll see the hero so it's kind of an interesting take on that but books also are more engaging in a way that you kind of like are put in the hero's shoes usually you're not usually just looking at what they're doing. You usually are the hero or you're a friend of the hero. 
So it's a little, it's a different depending on what medium you're engaging through, but it's all the same. It's an arc, right? Yes. There's a beginning, middle, and an end. And there's and some kind of conflict resolution that happens in, you know, the middle to end part of it. What happens also too is that if, like Josh said at the very beginning of this, that if it's easy, then it's not really much of a story. And right. so when you talk about, this is a great story, this is a great tale of a hero, there's large conflict there's large challenge and you see huge problems that like only that seem insurmountable you know like asteroids coming for the world or something you know here's a proof positive that's not a hero arc per se so my daughter's doing volleyball now and when they have different teams obviously every team's got different players and different abilities what's really nice for the win record is when they can ace the serve right right I mean that great. That's a point, and there's it's very efficient to getting to the end. But the most interesting games are the ones where they're fighting for every point. Yes, you know they're like, oh my gosh, they barely saved that. The person like leapt across the the court and they caught it and it barely went over the net. Like those are exciting things, and you know I've watched this even with football games. It's the third quarter and it's like what like forty two to nothing and people <laughs> yeah. are just bored and they're leaving. Yes, yeah. Because they don't see the struggle there. It's funny to me that we we're drawn to such struggle for those type of things. You would think like, hey, wouldn't this is my team? Don't I want them just to win? Yeah, I think sometimes that people are drawn to a struggle because we like to overcome things, and overcoming things is a reward for us. Like, and you may not think of it like that. You may think like, oh, the easy win. But we've talked about it before. Is that people learn through failure the most, and so when you see that struggle and they're winning or they're, or there's going back and forth, I think you're seeing that constant validation of look at all the hard work they've done. They've failed many times and now they're, you're actually doing something. You're seeing the results of all of that work on both sides. But when it's just like one team, just like steamrolling another, it is totally boring. You're like, Oh, okay, well I'm just going to go home now. Like, why did I pay for this? You know, it's almost like watching a boxing match with, you know, Mike Tyson back in the day where it was like 90 seconds long. You know, yeah. it's it's exciting for about 15 seconds. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, then it's over, you know. But if yeah. you saw, a, like, a, I used that's why I used to love to watch, like, everyone loved, like, for boxing, for example, everyone loved to watch the heavy heavyweights, right? But I always liked to watch the smaller guys because they would actually go, like, 10 rounds. And it was all about style and how they're trying to overcome like each other they're looking for openings and they're waiting for somebody to get tired and that kind of stuff is more interesting to me because yeah it's it's a it's an even matchup and you're working through it's so funny when you watch like the speed at which people hit yeah from the light from the bantam weights up to the heavyweights and my dad was a big boxing fan and i've had a chance to watch some of the old muhammad ali fights and it's really fascinating to watch him be a fighter now that i the commentary goes, I think, that by today's standards, he would have been con- technically like a light heavyweight because yes. the weight classes have gotten heavier. Welterweight or whatever they call him now. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yep. What's What's fascinating to me, though, is like watching his fighting style in the era which it happened because he moved like a, like a lighter weight yeah. fighter. Right. Right? And so he had it, and you watch the other fighters of the day, a lot of them, like... It was such a different type of matchup, right? Yes. And even in Muhammad Ali's story, there's the the hero story again, where his boxing license was was basically revoked and canceled because 
he didn't want to serve in the Vietnam War. And we came back out and he got his way back up. And then the fight that people talk about a lot is the fight with George Foreman and Rumble mm-hmm. in the Jungle. That was an interesting fight to watch. And because young George Foreman was formidable he, and he swung oh. like, you know what? I mean, yeah. still, I think he's still the hardest hitting heavyweight in history. Isn't I he? think so. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a, not only a huge man, but a powerful person too. Yes. So to watch these two men go, go toe to toe on that match. And it was like, is Muhammad Ali going to be the boxer that he was? And he couldn't be because he spent, I think it was four years in prison. Yeah. And so those were like his prime boxing years and your physiology just changes. So he had to change how he approached the fight to be able to beat a boxer like George Foreman. Now, that became such a, a pivotal moment in both men's careers because of the size of the struggle. There was no easy card for either of them to to take. They both had to kind of go through that gate and do that. And the hero arc never follows the easy path. It follows the path that you should take. Yes. Now, sometimes in books, they'll say, like, here's the path. Sometimes you're forced into it, not because it was convenient, but it's like, you know, the action drove me to this point. And you would... People can relate to that because I think in the real world, there's real struggles, there's real things of different sizes and magnitudes and different colors of it that you meet. And when you're met with that, you know what that struggle feels like, regardless of what it is. And when you see somebody else as a character work through it, now you're going, I see myself, I could do that. It's inspiring for a reason. Yeah, and... I think sometimes too we get we just get enthralled with that like that idea that I could do that even though you probably can't <laughs> you know it's like it's not about the I don't think it's about the skills required it, like you were talking about it is about the struggle it's about the the mindset and I think it's important to watch these you know hero arcs and look at these and read about them because you start learning more about yourself. You always interject yourself into every one of these. I don't know why. I don't know why people do. They just do. You know, they're like, oh, I could do that. Or like, look, look at like, I could actually, if I just uh, exercised enough, I could probably, you know, do some of this stuff or I can, I'd be that hero in that situation. You know, you're always seeing like every, some of the best hero arcs, are the stories of everyday people that are forced into situations that they wouldn't normally be, right? Like the guy on the airplane that the airplane crashes and all of a sudden he saves a whole bunch of people's lives or whatever, you know, the, the, a natural disaster happens and a normal everyday person becomes a hero you wouldn't expect, right? I think that people want to think the best of themselves and that, that they feel that they would do that too, right? Yes. There's a situational crucible almost that happens yeah. where like there's a, there's a moment where it's, you, it's pressed and it comes out because oftentimes it, this is how the stories go to, to Josh's point. If it's an everyday hero and they'll get a recognition of some kind from like the police force or the mayor, for example, like in a small town or a town in general, and they'll go up and say, thank you so much for this award, but I'm no hero. I'm just an everyday person who did what was right. Right. You know, and you've seen this news story again and again, but everybody's like, no, you are a hero. I think the people that you don't see as the hero are the people that say, hey, guess what? I'm a hero and you should see me as a hero. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like- They start selling their story all over the place (laughs) and they're, they're, you know, they're trying to cash in. Yeah. 
those aren't the people that you admire because they tell you. You see it by the actual things that they do. I think about this for even like some of the elite branches of the U.S. military. You know, yeah. when you have like elite like Navy SEALs and the and um, the Marines and Army Rangers and yeah, folks, they're the not best. yeah the best of the best. They're not out there to be heroes. They're out no. there to do the job. And that's kind of like to take that. I mean, for example, we'll just use a modern day example. Like, you know, when they like when they got Osama bin Laden. Like nobody ever talked about who actually shot the guy on those teams because that wasn't what was important. First of all, it's never should be praised taking a human life. I don't care how you're doing it. But some people, I think that some people, you know, realize that some people just have to go sometimes, right? So, but the military just did it. They weren't there for the glory of it. It was, we're just going to do this because we were told to. And they think it's right. So they're going to do it. That's the kind of thing I think that people find enthralling, like the kind of story about that. Now, what would be, what would you say are the important takeaways from the hero arc, Brian? Is it all about the conflict they have and how they resolve it? Or is it about what's doing the right thing, even if it's detrimental to them? There's uh, the the moral center, I think, yeah. that happens in every hero arc. Some of the, honestly, like anti-hero stories are especially popular now with, with movies and things. And- I pre- I like those stories well enough, but it kind of always leaves me with a meh. Feeling. Sometimes I think that anti-hero stories are hero stories. Um, they always start with a selfish hero, and if you look at it, they're always doing something usually not selfish. Inher- like it may be inherently selfish because you know they survive or something, but they're doing something for the good of other people too. And I think that anti-hero stories are important because it's kind of the it's a dual story. It's a story of how not a good person just became a good person. It's how a kind of meh person that maybe didn't always do the right thing started learning how to do the right thing. And it might be, you know, several stories long, but it gets there. But I agree with you. Overall, anti-hero stories, if they're like true anti-hero stories, are kind of like, eh, they're good. They're yeah. fun to watch. Yeah. You know, but- they usually swear a lot. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> When you look at something like that, though, it's not the what journey are they going on? Mm-mm. That's the vehicle to do it. But really, this becomes the story of individual transformation about like how somebody became the hero. Yeah. Right. How they came into that. That's something where the hero is fundamentally changed from the beginning of the story to the end. So Lord of the Rings is a great example, great work of uh, literature and also very well beloved for the movies that have hit pop culture and everybody yeah. knows. You know, the, the the path that Aragorn takes when he first meets him, he's Strider, the ranger. Yeah. Yep. And he's really the king, but he's not living like the king. He's not he's not taking control of ownership of who he is. He's just like, I'm just this dude that's a, a ranger, you know? Yep. Which really you're not. You're kind of like the king of everybody, but that's okay, you know. <laughs> yeah, don't mind me. I'm just a I'm just the king of man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> he his arc through that he changes. Yes, he has his own hero arc to become the king. Frodo has his own story about how his arc happened, and what you see in that is the passing of how Samwise Gamgee becomes. A hero, mm-hmm. right? Just like your normal everyday hobbit who's the one responsible for making sure that 
this thing is done carrying his friend up the hill, you know, to be able yeah. to finish this particular task. Sam is a real hero. And it wasn't because he ever wanted to be. He wanted to serve his friend well. He yeah, wanted to he just do wanted to be there for him. I no. think people need to recognize those moments of everyday hero that they do, that they take for granted. And I say that not to say, yay, everybody gets a ribbon for participating. But there are things that you do for people that may not express it, especially children or other folks. That you, when you're just being yourself and you're doing that and you run into those rude you know, customer service situations or whatever like that and how you conduct yourself. Like people see that and yeah. people go, you know, like, I wish I could be like that. I wish I could be more like that. And those are little micro hero stories that emerge. And so you're telling those every day of your life, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. And I think that's important to remember that what you put out into the world matters. People notice how you treat others and how you are being treated. So before you, you know, go off on that waiter or waitress or whatever, just, you know, be the hero maybe and think about, like I always said this before and I say it again, if I can be right or kind, I'm going to tr try to choose kind, I think. Um, as I've gotten older, I've realized that sometimes it's better just to be nice, even when you know you're right. And sometimes it's like, why? I always had to really look deep inside and say, like, why would I want to be right? Was it just to be like to make that other person feel bad? And if it, that's the answer, then I don't feel that that's a good answer. So I always, I'm all, I'm always trying to be like a little better than I was the day before. <laughs> Cause there are times, I mean, I'm telling you, I think we've all had him where you really want to just tell somebody off or you quit that job and you want to, you know, you want to just do it in this epic fashion. But I think sometimes uh, doing it with graciousness and kindness leaves people really wondering sometimes about you, like, which almost is more like it gets in their mind, you know, they're like, well, why did he do that? I knew he, like, he hated this place. Why didn't he just like give the middle finger to everybody as he left? You know, why did he come around and shake everyone's hands? <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of stuff I think is important to carry with us in everyday life. And people see the depth of character that that speaks to. And I can say that Josh has uh, followed when he's followed that arc. That's why, honestly, if you compared Josh and I side by side, and in a like a how we how we approached conflict and things like that, especially from young years, I was always trying to be right. I was yeah. always trying to make sure that that was the case. And I've taken lessons from Josh on that, and I'm still very much learning in that the whole vein. Yeah, Brian's everything. still right most of the time. Just <laughs> <laughs> how kind of you to say that, Josh. <laughs> Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> no, but we um but we've done it differently. Like I've done that too. Like where and I just you know, when I reflect upon like when I've done that, that's when I've decided to change because I didn't feel like I thought I was going to feel. I to me feeling good about myself is important. So like when I look back at like how I've treated somebody during a day or when I said something I, I'm, I have this knack of being brutally honest. Sometimes I'm brutally honest, but sometimes I'm also I'm also rude about it. And so I'm trying not to do that anymore. I'm trying to just be the better person, you know? We think about the end of life and you think about where, you know, people say, I'm going to pay my respects. Yeah. You know, and they say that. There's a difference of being respected and being loved. And they can go hand in hand, obviously. But the people where the, the end of life memorials and celebrations and things that 
are so overwhelming is you realized how well loved the person was. Yes. Not that they were respected. You know, you may have to pay some professional mourners to show up if you were only respected. Yeah. But you have to uh, almost uh, find ways to get everybody taken care of when there's so much love being poured out on somebody. And that's always a stronger statement, I think. Yeah. So I think I want to leave people with this. I want to say, like, what is your story arc and how are you approaching you know, your hero and story arc? Is it a hero? Are you kind of the villain? Are you kind of both? And do you want to be that? Because you got to start changing at some point. And if you want to change, start it now because it's not going to do it by itself. I love that. You put a comma here, Brian. We'll do it. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.